The following podcast contains explicit language and adult subject matter suitable for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Are you looking for joyous and aspiring stories about pregnancy and birth? Full disclosure, you will not be hearing those types of stories here. This true crime podcast will reveal the bizarre, crazy and sometimes criminal real life experiences while working at the labour and delivery unit. Our stories share the nurse's point of view. So get ready as we stir things up with the stirrup. of the Stirrup Podcast. I'm your host, Joanne Murray, and next to me is my brother from the same mother, Kevin Michaels. Say hi, Kevin. How you doing, everybody? Kevin and I would like to apologize for the delay. This episode has been a while in the making because, unfortunately, our studio was infected by the dreaded covid my studio, she means AKA my house. <laughs> That's right. Guess we're in house. my basement right now. <laughs> and you know, I wasn't coming over with a house full of COVID. Yeah. How are you feeling with your first brush with COVID, Kevin? Uh, I feel disappointed. Why? I thought I was going to make it through this whole pandemic without catching COVID. <laughs> Made it this long without catching it. And then now. I know. I thought when our... it's supposed to be over now, this is when I catch it. I thought our whole family was immune to COVID, at least our immediate family, because I haven't had it. Our parents haven't had no. it, technically. Yeah, I thought but maybe we were special. Yes, now but... you've broken that, Kevin. Yeah, sorry. Guess we were wrong. I always knew you were adopted. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that's going on now in relations to COVID is that the hospitals are not requiring you to wear a mask anymore. Yep, and not. we just started not testing our in-house patients anymore as well. So that's a huge change. Yeah. Um, hopefully the numbers don't uh, skyrocket back up. And, you know, every time they reduce the mask requirements like the numbers, I know the numbers seem to go back up, up right and away. people start getting sick again so i guess but we'll see what happens this time i will say one thing i will never feel comfortable getting into a hospital elevator without having my mask on because mm. covid still is around and there's still people who come in especially in the hospital that are sick with it so i will never be in a hospital's elevator or in the <laughs> hallways or in patient care areas without my mask on and i definitely will never be taking public transportation without my mask on no nah, i feel you now it's time for our labor room tale of the week This week's labor room tale happened a few years ago. There was a trend that was starting where patients were coming in to deliver and wanted to take their placenta home with them. The placenta? Why would they want that? They had many different reasons, Kevin. Some cultures, such as the Native American culture, believe the placenta is part of mom's body and should be buried in the earth. 
Are they growing a placenta tree? (laughs) (laughs) No, they're not growing a placenta tree. They believe the burial of the placenta within the boundaries of tribal land will bind the child's spirit to his ancestors and the land. Some people give the placenta to a company where it will be dehydrated and placed in capsules for moms to eat. This is said to help with milk production, reducing post-delivery pain, and for treating or preventing postpartum depression. Some women even prepare it in a smoothie, and there's even a cookbook with recipes on different ways of cooking your placenta, such as placenta lasagna, chili, and placenta tacos. Don't you like tacos, Kevin? I like tacos, but I ain't no placenta tacos. That's nasty. There are lots of famous moms that ingest their placenta. Kim and Kourtney Kardashian, Hilary Duff, and Alicia Silverstone. You said the Kardashians? That's all I need to hear <laughs> to not do it. <laughs> Even Tamara Maori sis, from Sister Sister, you know, mm, the twins? Yes, the twins, yes. So it's said that she fed her placenta to her sister, Tia, in a glass of brandy and made her drink it. I would disown you if you did that to me. <laughs> That'll be the last podcast episode that we film. I know twins like to believe in sharing everything, but that's a little too much even for me. Yeah, that's that's a way too much. Mm-mm. These moms do have to be careful though. The CDC reported on a mom who had tested positive for the group beta strep also known as the GBS bacteria during her pregnancy. What's that? The GBS bacteria is not an STD and it doesn't affect pregnant women in any way. The reason we test women for this is if they labor and deliver a baby while being GBS positive and not adequately treated with antibiotics before the birth of their baby, they will have a one in 200 chance of developing a sepsis affection which can be life-threatening to their infant. But if they get the antibiotics, they should be okay? Yes. If they get the proper antibiotics before they deliver, then their infant only has a 1 in 4,000 chance of being infected by the GBS bacteria. Okay. So the CDC reported that a mom who was GBS positive and had her placenta encapsulated, which means she placed them in the pills. Right. She was taking them twice a day, brought her baby to the hospital for severe breathing problems. Mm. Apparently the GBS bacteria was found in the capsules and passed from mom to baby through her breast milk. These infants have to be admitted to the NICU for treatment for an extended period of time. At the height of this trend, the institute I was working for had a delivery where thankfully I was not a part of. A midwife patient who wants to have a natural delivery or as natural as possible, which means the fewer amount of medical interventions, the better. Side note, I don't know why these type of patients (laughs) want to deliver in a hospital setting. Uh, The earthy, crunchy type? (laughs) Yes, the earthy, crunchy type. (laughs) These patients don't want to let the hospital staff do any of the necessary interventions that we are required to do as per the hospital policies. 
They have other alternatives out there, for example, birthing centers. Anyway, this mom, the midwife patient, delivers her baby. And about three minutes after delivery, the placenta is usually delivered. While in the labor room, the placenta comes out and the patient grabs the placenta tears a piece off and eats it right there in the labor room. What? Oh, I'm going to be sick. (laughs) Trust Uh, me, I was sick when I heard this. It still had like slime and blood and stuff Mm -hmm. on it. Remember, a birth is very messy. Uh Uh-huh. I I know that. (laughs) The vagina is not sterile. There could be urine there. There could be feces there from mom and baby. Oh, she just ate that. Yes, she ate it right then and there. My advice to all you future mothers listening, if you would like to consume your placenta after delivery, find a reputable company to work with, and please don't do it if you're GBS positive. Yes, it's not worth risking the health of your baby for a placenta, to eat a placenta. Mm -mm. Yes, I... Completely agree with you, Kevin. Now it's time for this week's true crime story of the week. The murder of Regan Michelle Simmons Hancock. Okay, let's go. This week's true crime story is a case from October 2020. 21-year-old Regan Michelle who going forward, we would call her Michelle because that's the name she preferred. Michelle was living in New Boston, Texas with her husband and daughter. She was 34 weeks pregnant with her second daughter, who she was going to name Braxlyn Sage, which I think is a beautiful name. On October 9th, 2020, Michelle was home with her three-year-old daughter. And after repeated attempts to contact her daughter, Michelle's mother, Jessica Brooks, decided to go to her house. Upon entry into her daughter's house, Jessica was met with a horrific scene. Her beautiful daughter, Michelle, was lying in the middle of her living room in a large pool of blood. What Jessica didn't know is earlier that morning, her daughter was visited by her new friend, 29-year-old Taylor Renee Parker, who was also pregnant at the time. I could not find anything about the history of their friendship, so I'm assuming they did not know each other long. Michelle just believed she was befriending another expectant mother and they could bond over their pregnancies. You're probably right. If they had a close friendship, there would probably be more information out there. Yeah, probably. Parker had two children of her own, and during her last delivery, she suffered complications that resulted in doctors performing a hysterectomy. This means Taylor's uterus had to be removed, usually due to excessive bleeding. Unfortunately for these women, they will not be able to carry or birth any future babies. Dubbed the infertile womb raider, Parker devised- Wait, and- what? You can't just gloss over that. (laughs) They called her what? The Infertile Womb Raider. The Infertile Womb Raider. Wow. That is genius. Whoever wrote that, 
You get a round of applause from me. That's hilarious. Even though there's nothing funny about this story, that is hilarious. Parker devised an elaborate plan to fake her pregnancy. Oh, let me guess. To keep her man? You got it, Kevin. (laughs) Parker was desperate to keep her boyfriend of 10 months, Wade Griffin. She only knew him 10 months? She basically claimed to be pregnant right after meeting him? Yes, she did. He must have been a very special man for her to go through such lengths to keep him. Taylor arranged to have a gender reveal party. She faked ultrasound pictures, which can be easily downloaded from the internet. Taylor even posted pictures from a maternity baby shoot where she wore a fake baby bump and posed with horses that were in a stable. Sounds like a very Texan thing to do. I will also post the pictures from this episode on all of our social media platforms. Police quickly arrived at Michelle's house and walked into a bloody scene. They could tell that Michelle fought hard to save her life and the life of her unborn daughter. Body cam video shows extensive bloodstains on the furniture, walls, floor, and appliances. They found Michelle lying on the living room floor that was soaked in blood. Her body had cuts made by a scalpel that extended across her lower abdomen from one hip to the other hip. Police also found defensive wounds on Michelle's hands. She had several dislocated fingers and other fingers were almost cut off. Damn, she fought hard. I can't imagine how scared she was. I know. Things even get worse, Kevin. Police noted that crime scene was covered in pink and blue sand. Pink and blue sand? That's weird. How how does sand get there? It turns out that during her wedding ceremony, Michelle and her husband combined the pink and blue sand in a four-pound jar. Taylor used the jar to hit Michelle over the head, and when it shattered, she then picked up a hammer to continue her attack. Michelle's skull was fractured in five different areas. That's probably how the attack started. She waited for her back to be turned and then hit her over the head. Taylor being the coward that she is, I'm sure you're right, Kevin. Michelle also had over 100 stab wounds, 39 of which were to her head. I can't believe someone could be so inhumane and brutal. And this is her friend? This was her friend. When Michelle's mom asked the EMS responders to check on the status of Michelle's baby, they were confused at first. Then the horrific realization hit them that the baby was not there. Taylor had pulled out Michelle's uterus and removed her baby. And if you thought this case could not get any worse, you were wrong because this horrific Brutal murder took place in front of Michelle's three-year-old daughter. That poor child. She's never going to forget what she witnessed. I'm sure you're right. Even though she was only three years old when this took place, she will have a lifetime of emotional damage after being a witness to her own mother's murder. Within an hour of finding Michelle, the infertile womb raider Taylor Parker was inadvertently pulled over 50 miles away in the state of Oklahoma. How did they know it was her? 
At the time, police were not searching for her and were not aware of her crimes. Police in Oklahoma found Taylor in her car and they were horrified to see Taylor holding a newborn baby girl in her lap. The baby was pale and limp and Taylor was attempting to perform CPR. Taylor told the police she had just given birth and they had no reason not to believe her at the time. The infant still had its umbilical cord attached and Taylor placed the other end of the umbilical cord into her pants. <laughs> what? So she was trying to make it look like the baby was still attached to her? Yes. That's crazy. Oh my God. She's a real POS. <laughs> I definitely agree with you on that. Wow. Police rushed Taylor and her baby to McCurtain Memorial Hospital. In no time at all, the medical staff were able to easily tell that she had not given birth. Police then arrested Taylor because by now they heard about Michelle's death in Texas and the fact that her infant was also missing. Tragically, Michelle's baby girl did not survive this horrific birth. Man. There are no details as to the infant's cause of death, but based on my experience being a labor and delivery nurse for many years and seeing thousands of deliveries, I can only speculate that Taylor probably did not tie off the other end of the umbilical cord, which if this is not done after it's being cut from the placenta, the baby can bleed out most of its blood volume, which would cause its death. Oh man, that's, that's horrible. Another cause could be that since Michelle's baby was only 34 weeks, they are considered premature and do not have the lung maturity of a 40 week or full term infant would have. At birth, premature infants usually require respiratory support that only can be given by EMS workers or in a hospital. While in custody, Taylor claimed she was not in her right mind and was freaking out during this ordeal. Her attorneys tried to argue that the kidnapping charge should be dropped because the infant was not born alive. However, prosecutors had several medical professionals testify that the infant had a heartbeat when it was born. Prosecutors presented evidence that Parker searched online how to deliver babies and falsify a pregnancy. According to the Bowie County DA, Taylor Parker did not kill because she wanted a baby. She killed to keep from losing her boyfriend. And she needs to be on death row because the circumstances of Michelle's death amounted to torture. Definitely did. In November of 2022, a jury of six men and six women deliberated for 75 minutes in Bowie County, Texas, and sentenced Taylor Parker to death. Good riddance. There's a special place in hell for her. Everyone knows Texas is one state that will not hesitate to enforce the death penalty. That's right. Hang them high, Texas. <laughs> Hang them high. Parker was transferred to death row at the Mountain View unit in Gatesville, Texas. Michelle's sister, Emily Simmons, said in her emotional victim impact statement, My sister will never be my maid of honor. If I have to visit my sister, I have to go to the graveyard and see a headstone. 
It's so sad and such a tragic story. Your thoughts, Kevin? That was just so brutal and pointless. She killed a mother and didn't even have a baby at the end. I, I keep hearing about these stories and they're never successful. I know, it's so true. I will never understand why women still thinks that this is a good idea, especially for the purposes of keeping a man. Right. If he doesn't want to be with you, just because you're having his baby is not going to make him stay. Nope. I see this in a labor room all the time. Birthing mothers upset that their child's father is not magically falling in love with them <laughs> because they're having their baby. In some cases, they're not even willing to come to the hospital. Wow. And if they do show up, they're not the least bit supportive. I've had dads even ask me for paternity tests in the labor room. In the labor room? In the labor room. Wow, what do you tell them? It's such an awkward situation to be in. <laughs> I'm embarrassed for the mother, but I tell them at this point, you're going to have to wait until the baby's born first. <laughs> Moms, please be aware of women befriending you either in person or online in those mom groups. They may offer you free gifts for your baby, but be careful and follow your instincts. If things don't feel right, then run. Yeah, don't ignore those red flags. And for God's sakes, stop putting those lawn decorations that say it's a boy, it's a girl. Oh, girl, yes. It's, it's like an arrow pointed at your house saying there's a new baby here for you to steal. Yeah, brand new baby here. You're yeah. looking for a boy, you're looking for a girl, girl you know which yeah. house to go to. Exactly. Well, that's it for episode four of the Stir Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please leave a message on our social media platform. I will also be posting pictures from today's episode there. And don't forget to like and subscribe. And remember, red flags could equal toe tags. <laughs> That's true, Kevin. Yep. Please be safe out there. Peace. Peace. You can find the Stir Up Podcast on all major podcast platforms. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube page and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. If you're a soon-to-be parent looking for a childbirth education or newborn care class, please check out our website at www.mindbodybabynyc.com.